in that early period, you must have had some fuck-ups. Oh, heaps. Heaps, yeah. I had some hard clients too. And I think the the overall game plan was just to make sure every client's happy um, at all costs. Um, I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser. And some people say that's a that's a negative thing to have, but I think it's a positive. Um, I, maybe a little not as bad these days, but yeah, making sure that everyone's happy. And sometimes I made mistakes. You just got to own up to it, um, fix it. Do it right. Be honest. Don't try and cover up your mistakes. Don't try and justify why it happened. Just fix it. Um, people respect you because of that. And you know, if you have a few backward steps, that's just life. That's just what happens. And you know, as long as you keep keep moving past them and and you and you back yourself, you'll be all right. All right. In episode twelve of the One Twenty Good Podcast, we were lucky enough to sit down with one of Australia's most successful young builders, Rob Gray. Rob has taken the Brisbane residential building game to the next level, harnessing modern building design coupled with a polished social media strategy and positive growth mindset to set a new benchmark for builders everywhere. We chat to Rob about the path he has taken to achieve his goals to date, including having a crack, building the right team, owning your mistakes, as well as finding time to switch off from work. But first, a quick message about our sponsors, who make this podcast, for the working class, possible. QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. You can produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial today at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back. Get it back, get it back, yeah. Get it back. <laughs> Are you allowed to swear? Yeah. Just pre- pre- yeah. yeah. No, you're, like you're allowed to swear. Maybe try not to use no. any C-bombs. We no, swear. I'm not swear. You guys can. <laughs> Thank you, I'm Dan. <laughs> So we've got a very special guest here once again on uh, Trade Mutt's 120 Grit podcast, the podcast for the working class. Uh, he's the co-founder of Greyer Constructions. He's just been named in Queensland's top 20 under 40 entrepreneurs and the Prince of Paddington, Rob Gray. Welcome. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Oh, we've never had a prince in here. We've had the King of Texas. We've had the King of Texas. Now we've got the Prince of Paddington. Uh, yeah, good. It's only up from here. Mate, thanks for, uh, for coming in to have a chat. No worries. First builder we've had on. Really? Yes. So it'll be uh, it'll be great getting it out to our audience of hopefully young chippies out there and my mother that's listening, I'm sure. So it'll be great. Our biggest fans. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. You guys are failed builders, aren't you? Failed yeah. builders, yeah. mate. So yeah, this is it. <laughs> We've gone into the rag trade. We've gone from building houses to folding shirts. Yeah, it's a, it's Smart quite a, it's, it's quite a pivot. Yeah, big pivot. I think I should join you. When's Rob? the last time you're on the tools? Oh, mate, it's got to be about five years now. Oh, maybe four, four years. Yeah. I just had to give up, you know, the, the phone kept ringing and there was just so much to do in the office and it was just, just happened and, you know, didn't look back. Time to transition. Yep. So you're a local Brizzy boy, you were saying? Yeah, mate, I was born in uh, Wesley Hospital, so I'm you know, living in Paddington at the moment, haven't gone far, one suburb across. <laughs> Lovely. When are you going to redevelop the Wesley? Oh, mate, one day, it's on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Put a tender in us this week. Mate, so uh, you went to you went to school out at Ip- Ip- Ipswich Grammar. Yep. That was a Look. mouthful. Yeah, jeez. And uh, did you always want to do a trade? Is that what you... Yeah, mate, to, to be honest, yeah, it was the plan from day one. Uh, probably the reason, we were living in Chapel Hill at the time and, and Brisbane Grammar was actually our first option and um, my parents decided to send us to Ipswich Grammar um, because of their... Uh, marsh, uh, I was going to say martial arts, because of their... <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know the word for it, but their... Uh, yeah, just their... Or trade background. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, manual arts. Manual arts, that's yep. the one I was looking for. Yeah. Now, cool. Yes, yeah, sweet. So you enjoyed five years out there. Yep. Chipping away. Chipping away. Nice. And then you went straight into a carpentry apprenticeship, did you? 
Yep. So basically, schoolies um, came home, uh, started an apprenticeship. Um, I actually, my first apprenticeship actually didn't go that that well. After about four months, um, I had a best mate of mine in school that had another um, apprenticeship uh, through a, a, a friend's dad, and he was loving his. I wasn't loving mine. Um, I then approached uh, his builder and said, "Hey, take on both of us as your apprentice." He goes, "Yeah, no worries." Um, thankfully, he did. Um, really enjoyed my apprenticeship. We worked together with my best mate, um, both going through our apprenticeship at the same time, which was awesome. Um, even better than that, the guys that were teaching me to be uh, to be a chippy and who was in my gang when I was apprentice now work for Greyer, um, which is which is awesome and which gave Greyer a massive leg up from day one. Yeah. Um, so that really helped. And, yeah, while I was doing my apprenticeship, I was actually doing my builder's licence studies too. So Yeah, wow, you're, you're hooking right in. That's a, that's a massive move, doing your, build, your builders while you're an apprentice. Yeah, so it was always the, always the goal. Like, I, I love being a chippy, but I just knew it wasn't a long-term play. I knew um, it couldn't get you too far or only so far. So my passion was always in building and managing. I, I love dealing with people. Even though I loved being on the tools, I didn't like the wear and tear in the body and yeah. And how hard you had to work. Um, so, yeah, that was always always my direction. So what was the, the, the part in the first apprenticeship that wasn't working? Was it the, the boss or the...? Um, it was a carpentry apprenticeship, right? It was a carpentry yeah. apprenticeship. Uh, it, was a, it was a family friend uh, business. They were really, really good carpenters, uh, but they were, they were a family. Um, and it just, it just wasn't gelling that right. They would do maybe one project a year. And it was a, a bit more renovation business and it was a bit slow going for me. Like the, the company I did go with was uh, more of a kind of a projecty type builder. They definitely weren't high end, but they weren't too projecty. They were, they were okay, I guess. Um, and yeah, I learnt how to, uh, I saw more, more work getting turned over and I, I like I liked that. There was more action. More to learn. Yeah. Yeah, cool. You're hungry. Hungry. Hungry for a bit of action. That's it. That's what you want. So did you finish your builder's? When while you were still an apprentice? Um, no, I couldn't. I did. I finished the studies, but I couldn't apply because you need experience. Need as, oh, that's as, right. Yeah. As, as managing experience. So I think it was six months after I finished my apprenticeship. Um, I, I think you needed a couple of years management experience. People, people normally right. just fudge those paperwork, so don't they? Or what? They did, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I, well did, I did. I did put it in six months after I finished my apprenticeship, and I think they asked for like two or three references. I think I gave like ten, but I actually got it, and it was the low rise lowest class um, license you can possibly get so i think you can only turn over like 200k a year or something like that so it's it's pretty piss weak but it's a start it's a start and and it grew from there but yeah i was doing decks and bathrooms and crap like that for, for ages and i think in chapel hill there's a street where i think i built or renovated about six houses in a row because i just went from neighbor to neighbor to neighbor and you know just wanted to, yeah, wanted to awesome. help them. how long ago was that oh, mate probably it wouldn't be that long ago. I reckon it'd be seven years ago. Yeah, wow. Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've grown super quick. Thank you. Really, seven years. That's not that long. Are those are those decks still standing? They are, mate. With bloody <laughs> oh, yeah. best decks in Brisbane. <laughs> Shot them down with a call gun. <laughs> mate, uh, what were some of the biggest lessons you you, you learnt through your apprenticeship? What were some of the the key takeaways? Um, treat people well. Your team around you is more important than you, and. If you can get a good team around you, that's what's going to take you far and look after everyone and look at, find out that what their interests are and where they're trying to go and as an employer, help them do that. And if, you can, if you're helping everyone, everyone's working as a team, everyone's getting what they want, it's going to be a good unit and you're going to move forward quickly. Yeah, great. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when you finished your – when you're going for, from your apprenticeship to becoming a builder, I think it's a pretty big move. You know, you've got to have a lot of confidence – 
you got to back yourself quite a bit mm. to just go from at such an early stage yeah. to take on those, you know, that sort of role. And yeah. straight out of your time. Straight out of your time, yeah. I mean, oh, you're learning You're learning as you go 100%. And, and oh, yeah. It's just got to have a crack, I think. Um, what do you got to lose? Yes, there is there is some legal implications for sure. But, you know, you, you don't know unless you try. And in the industry, there's no one really there to show you how to do it. So you do have to learn yourself and just throw yourself in the deep end. I oh, guess, mate, I didn't know how to fold a shirt 12 months ago. <laughs> and you still can't. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. Um, I just had a question that's just gone straight out of my head because I was thinking of folding shirts. <laughs> so I'll jump in here. Uh, no, I was going to say, sorry, um, in that early period, you must have had some fuck-ups. Oh, heaps. Heaps, yeah. I had some hard clients too. And I think the the overall game plan was just to make sure every client's happy um, at all costs. Um, I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser. And some people say that's a that's a negative thing to have. But I think it's a positive. Um, I, maybe a little not as bad these days. But, yeah, making sure that everyone's happy. And sometimes I made mistakes. You just got to own up to it. Um, fix it. Do it right. Be honest. Don't try and cover up your mistakes. Don't try and justify why it happened. Just fix it. Um, people respect you because of that. And you know, if you have a few backward steps, that's just life. That's just what happens. And you know, as long as you keep keep moving past them and, and, you, and you back yourself, you'll be all right. Well, that's oh, the whole yeah, thing. Is yeah. that you know your your references from your previous client, and especially in Brisbane, you know, everyone's a big country town. Everyone talks. Yeah, reputation so, is everything. Yeah, your reputation is everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's that's such an important part of it. But again, like you sort of you said people pleasing is that sort of figuring out when to say no was that a hard thing to to figure out i'm horrible at saying no yeah, still am hard. still yeah. am yeah we found that too it's a, it's a yeah, tough one but you're right you're 100 right i think it's a, a real important lesson you do make mistakes i made heaps of mistakes but it's just far easier to be out with it straight away yeah open transparent honest and if you're like truly apologetic about you know a stuff up it's it's hard for someone else to be angry at you, right? Yeah, it's how you deal with it. Yeah. And there's so many moving parts in being a builder or a chippy. Like, there's going to be mistakes every day and they're going to be major ones. Like, it's just what happens. So, mm. it's just that's the industry we, we're in. Yeah, yeah. So, let's talk about Greyer itself. Yep. Like, it's probably, looking from the outside, it's probably the biggest residential building business in Brizzy, if not bloody Australia. It's massive. You've got a huge following on Instagram. It's like 40,000 Followers or something. Something like that. It's incredible. Is that right? Have you lost count? 55. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, it's amazing. Dang, and mate, you really undersold him there. Sorry. <laughs> well, guys, get on there and follow him. Bump him up to 55. Uh, no, probably you, you're the first one that we can see that it's really captured, you know, like we were saying before, like a 21st century builder. Like you've really capitalised on the social media and that actual, that marketing and, and getting your brand out there rather than just having site signs up if someone drives past you know eight kingfisher avenue down the road like everyone can sort of see what you're up to was was it you know was it hard to to build that that brand online was it a difficult thing to do oh don't don't say it was difficult but it it was a it was uh, a lot of work um, over many years but I think just having a having a bit of passion for marketing and and being vigilant about how people market different businesses it might not have been construction uh, but I saw other people's businesses and how they were marketing it and applying that to construction. And I think early days I, I, I felt the power of social media and having a good brand and online presence. Obviously, it's it's your baby, so you want to present yourself well. So mm. it started as that. And, and once you started getting a bit more traction, then you basically um, invest more money into it and that, and that return comes around full circle. So to, to today where, you know, I'm collaborating with a lot of brands, um, a lot of our suppliers and 
you know, I'm getting some some free products and I'm, I'm getting I'm, instead of pocketing that that money and I'm putting that back into marketing, which is then you know getting me more clients. It's it's selling houses for more uh, more money than they're worth, and you know it's it's an ongoing cycle. But yeah, you've got to you've got to invest a lot of time and effort into it. It's I still do it all, and it's it's super hard when you know you're trying to run. 10 houses and you're planning for another 10 next year. Uh, it's tricky. That's incredible. When, yeah. you, when you say that all that marketing brings you in more clients, we were talking before, you've got probably got the capacity for about eight, eight, 10 jobs a year. Yep. Right? I'd imagine right now your marketing is kind of out the, out the door because your reputation would precede that. Correct. You know, you can see your banners absolutely everywhere. You drive through Paddington. And um, it's easy to easy to see your presence, right? Yeah. I'd imagine you have a, quite a big lineup now of, 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 of people who want you. Definitely, but uh, even though you get you know, 10, 20 phone calls a week, they're not always the, the jobs that we want to build. So we have a niche market where we want to build homes from $1 million to $2 million. So we don't want a $3 million house. We don't want a $900,000 house. That's our window. So you know, a lot of people can get crossed out just from by that um, price bracket. Um, then I'm looking for people that are near where our office is in Paddington. And then, you know, you've got this big tick sheet and you can narrow that down quite quickly. But in saying that, there is still a surplus of clients. Um, the idea behind the marketing isn't so much that I'm going to get heaps and heaps and heaps of clients. I'm just after the good ones. So, you know, just narrowing down. If I only have space for three or four a year, because predominantly our work is houses that we buy, sell and flip. So if I've only got three to, three to four spots a year, um, just finding the best people that I would like to work with, the houses that we want to build with, um, and that's that helps um, give you that that go forward because you know you're, you're building with a nice people. It's a cool house. Um, you're, you're already friends with them, um, or, or you get on really well. And then you have successes, and then you roll that into the next project, and you've got happy clients, and your your reputation and your brand grows. And it's just a snowball effect. Um, I think we we're talking about earlier. You know, a lot of builders finish their build um, quite negatively, and mm. you know, clients aren't happy with the result. And that is like a worst case scenario. That is like the worst thing that can yeah. happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do everything to avoid that. And Definitely. I guess the other thing is that everything you see on social media and what you guys put out, it's, you're proud of it. It's, it's your pride and joy and you want yeah. people to see it. And I think, you know, embracing that and showing a bit of pride in your work is a real reflection of the quality that you like to produce. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the biggest things. So, you know, I guess embracing this social media drive around, you know, promoting yeah. small business or, or, you know, medium to big business in your case, yep. um, it's, it's really important. Oh, we're super lucky. Our our work has been able to be viewed so nicely and it's it's it looks good on social media. I feel sorry for some companies that have to try and um, market accounting or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's quite hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting because, again, like looking at your social media, it's sort of, yeah, it looks like you're sort of marketing it to, housewives to a degree so they can be like you know i'm, I'm living in a grayer house yeah. and i've got the the fancy pool well, they're the ones on that make all the decisions aren't yeah. they yeah that's it it's, <laughs> it's just it's creating a it's creating a brand so instead of buying this house you sort of you want the the price to go up because of who's built it and the, and the brand behind it you know like a, a ysl bag compared to you know a michael calls bag whatever um probably not the best example but you know they're the same same bag but it's just one's got a brand and yes you know your handbags price. wow <laughs> Mrs. has been on to you, mate. We're not talking about nail bags. We've got handbags. <laughs> a DeWalt bag and a buckaroo bag. That was the worst example. So no, 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 it's a perfect so, example. So, again, like we were talking again, uh, outside about how good chippies don't always necessarily make the best business owners. Uh, and, I mean, it's, it's incredible to think that you know, you've created a building company 
but you're not thinking like a building company where you know you you've, you really niche. You put yourself in a niche market where a lot of guys out there will just take any job they can get. How important was it for you to find your niche and really nail down in that one area? It was super important. It was the it was the only way of, of standing out and growing quickly is is not having competition and being different. And there was a massive gap I found between project builders and architectural homes and when we first kind of started building full homes, we fat we fit in that bracket of an architectural looking home, but we weren't the same price. Now <laughs> we would be the same price, uh, but that was the niche market that, that we sat in, and um, you know there was there was so many clients in that in that bracket because to to be in that bracket you had to have a good eye, you had to be young and keen because your price weren't so too expensive, your overheads had to be small, so. If, if any builders listening can get in that, that niche bracket, there's so many clients in that gap that will just give you so much work and you can ride that way for, you know, three, four years until you get too popular and then you'll probably be the same price as all the expensive builders. Yeah, yeah it's and, interesting. And if you look at the area where we're talking, you know, this Paddington Bar and, you know, all that sort of area, there's plenty of houses there that are still to be done up, right? So many. Yeah. Going to ride that wave. Yeah. It must be a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. We're, you're talking about the team that you have around you and if you're sort of looking for these houses in that uh, one to two million dollar price bracket, yep. we're also talking engineers and architects and all that sort of stuff. Have you got a team of, uh, you know, preferred architects that you just work sure. with, you know, across? Yeah. I wear a number of hats, like uh, we're talking earlier about marketing, but but yeah, for sure, like the more important hats is, you know, I've got a development hat where we've got a whole bunch of consultants pre-construction and that team being the best possible team that working together is, is super powerful because we can get on site quicker um, and for a cheaper cost. And we do a lot of that um, in-house for clients. So we have a design and construct, um, we offer that to clients and we like to control that process because we know what we're building and we know how long it's going to take. We know when we're going to be on site. Sometimes when you let a client look after that pre-construction work or an, or an outside architect you haven't worked with, sometimes they tell you, yep, we're, we're, we're trying to build ASAP. We'll be, we'll be building next month and you've planned all your business around this month's start date. And then it, hap- then it happens in six months' time because their approvals got held up or something. Mm-hmm. Like When you control that process and you have that good team in the pre-construction work, like that is gold and it's crucial to our formula, that's for sure. There's so many bloody variables too, isn't there, right? Oh, yeah, it's tricky and, and there's some moving goalposts as well. Yeah. Mate, so talking about, you know, you, you're the, you, you and your brother are the face of the business really. Yeah. There was a lot of vulnerability in that, I suppose, putting yourself out there for people to... I think at, at the start it was a no-brainer just to, to try and get ahead. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but kind of the last year to six months we've kind of taken a bit of a backward step and we're trying to uh, push the greyer brand as being kind of like the forefront opposed to rob and andrew yeah um we feel like we kind of got those eyes um by putting our faces on it and then now we're kind of just trying to slowly backpedal like we don't want to like take out remove ourselves from it that's for sure and i'm here today um but yeah i think it's important that the brand does the talking opposed to um just rob and andrew because it's not it's not just it's me or Andrew doing the work. There's there's thirty staff yeah. that are doing all this work, and they're working as hard, if not harder, than us. So having the brand do that speaking and 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 for long term growth of a business and 
day one day is you know, hopefully worth worth something to resell or, or, or whatever whatever it is. I think it's important that it's the brand and not just the person. Yeah, but I guess to get to get ahead in those early days, you've really got to yeah. back yourself one hundred percent. Put your face right behind it. I mean, it's a bit like what we've yeah we've sort of done. Us two bloody idiots we can't hide behind any of this. You know, <laughs> we're right out there. But you got to be, and it allows people to relate to you a bit easier, right? You know, sure, and it's, it's the best way to start, isn't it? Yeah. What's yeah. your uh, What's your brother's background, Andrew? Um, so my father was a quantity surveyor, uh, which is a high-rise estimator, basically. Um, and Andrew followed his footsteps um, early days and went to uni as a quantity surveyor. Um, he didn't like it. It was just a whole bunch of numbers and um, in an office and it just wasn't enjoyable for him. Um, and then we started doing the developments and, and then he quit, quit his job. He was a director of that company and, yeah, he gave up a, a pretty decent salary to basically have zero salary and, and do his own hustle. Yeah, wow. Awesome. So you've got so you've got the right, you know, even just in the family, you've got the right pieces of the puzzle there to, uh, yeah. you know, to, to do some good work together. What's it like working with your brother? Yeah, <laughs> honestly, how much do you blue? <laughs> to be honest, I, I I love working with him. Like we have massively different opinions in everything, um, but I see that as a good thing as well because it's it's another perspective. If we thought exactly the same way, it would it would be good. But we'd just be going in the same direction. But we're always sort of second guessing each other. And, and yes, there's a bit of conflict, but it's it's good getting other other opinions. And you know, some people in the office like look at us like, and like, wow, you guys talk to each other really badly, and we, and we do. We need to work on it. But but like after we like yell at each other, the, the next minute we just like we've forgotten about it, and, and we're best mates again. But sounds like us. Sounds bloody familiar. <laughs> it's very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, yeah. Sorry, sorry I was just gonna. Uh, what? Yeah, uh, you're right because it's we're the same. We've got we're totally different people. It's our sense of humour that binds us right which is great ed's great at organizing and you know all this sort of stuff and i'm like to be creative and hands off know, with the fairies all the time and, and you know speak from the heart and all that sort of stuff which is good for the mental health side of things but you know it, without either one of us it would fall over so what, like, what would what would you say like your strength so you're a bit more of a people person yeah i'm like the people people person the, mani- managing the extrovert pe- managing people and and the, the the creator and andrew would be the the book smart and he he keep he reins things in and and keeps a keeps everything ticking along um, in the in the right direction in the right order and contains me. I think it's important for you know because there's plenty of people out there. There's never been a better time to start a business or, or have a crack at anything. Um, but it's important for people to remember that you know in a business partnership, a it's awesome to have someone there to bounce everything off. But you don't have to be the same person. And if you are, it's probably not going to reach its potential, right? No, it's like two is better than one, isn't it? Bloody oath, bloody oath. I really want to know when. Your when when you took the big step when you took the big leap from doing sort of renos to like your first major you know big build that was like you know a bit of a breakthrough moment any comfort zone yeah, stuff was did was there that moment for sure um, we had like a little bit of a step into doing our own development where we uh, we bought a really rundown house in Indrapilly it was quite small and it was quite cheap but we had a little bit of a test run on that. Um, and it sold and it, and it went well. There was some sort of income there, which was great. And I think the next the next step was probably the most daunting one, where we bought a hoarder's house in Paddington. I remember saying to Andrew, um, I was I was on a um, cruise boat at the time, and I was like, don't buy it, it's too expensive, and I want to do it. And I came back and he I bought it. <laughs> and it was, was so that expensive. He bought it with both of your money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was so expensive at the time, and I was just like, wow, what have you done? And... Um, 
think building this thing the whole time, we were just like, oh, this is we don't know if we've done the made the right decision the whole way through the build, the whole way through, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was that would have been some tense days. Yeah, it was reasonably stressful. So but, was uh, that a knockover in a new build? Was it? No, we could knock win. it over because yeah, right. it was in a character area oh, pre forty six. So yeah, it was. That's another kettle of fish. Uh, yeah, so oh. we couldn't knock it over, and we had to just like remove everything out of it, and it stunk so bad. Thankfully, once you actually removed everything, the smell just disappeared. But I was there was many days there. I'm like, we're not going to get rid of this smell. <laughs> but it ended up selling selling really well, and um, yeah, that's that's basically that sort of capital snowballed us to you know purchase other properties. I think we we bought the next door house off the neighbour that we got friendly with, and really, yeah, that was another another one that went really well. The Prince of Indrapilly too. <laughs> no, nah, this one's in Paddington. Oh, is it right? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's awesome. Yeah, wow. So we want to talk about what we don't see. Know what goes on behind the scenes, the stresses of, of running, you know, what is now a fairly large scale residential building company. You know, what what are the stresses and the daily, you know, tr- you know, troubles that you go through to keep the keep the thing going? Unfortunately, the the problems end with me. So, I feel like some days that I'm just a problem solver. <laughs> so that's that's the frustrating thing for me. I, I'm just treading water the whole day, and it's draining. So you know, I'll start work at like six thirty, and I get home nearly every day at about seven, um, except for Fridays and I can have at six. So and then oh, for early, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Tick. <laughs> and, then, and then when I'm at home, I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of organising stuff the next day. So it's, it's, it's just trying to switch off is probably the, the hardest part and to, to know when to, you know, time to not work. It's, it's, it becomes normal and, and easy. You feel more comfortable just working and that's a trap, I think. So, yeah, I'm working on just having a bit, of, bit more of a balance. Because it can be difficult, especially, you know, juggling relationships and juggling mateships and everything yeah. like that outside of work when you're working those huge hours. Yeah, just yeah. telling yourself to work hard and, and get there and get there. But then once you got there and you're still in that mentality of working hard and, and, and yes, yeah, still work hard, but you've got to have a balance. So it's just knowing knowing when to work really hard and know, knowing when to, you know, cool your jets a bit and, yeah. Yeah, well, it, yeah. yeah. I remember when, yeah, when I jumped over in the office at Nork on there and I was thinking about jobs and, I remember waking up in the middle of the night a couple of times and all I could see in my head was plans, sets of plans and thinking, shit. I have the best ideas when I'm asleep all yeah. the time. Does, <laughs> that, does that happen? Does that happen for you? Do you? No, I joke once a, once a week and, I, and I'll lean over and I'll grab my phone and I just write it in my notes. And once I know I've written it down, then I fall back asleep. But if I try and like think about it in asleep, I'll just keep thinking about it. Yeah, wow. Not ideal. That happens for me in the shower. <laughs> yeah, shower moments. <laughs> shower, yeah, shower thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and so I guess, you know, being a problem solver can you know have a bear a lot of weight. So how sort of do you kind of switch off like after hours, or do you or do you get you're married, right? I'm married. Yep. So do you go home and talk about work with your with your missus? <laughs> the funny thing is, my wife's actually a psychologist. Perfect. So, wow. So I I didn't know much about mental health or. or or any of that sort of stuff before I started dating her. So we've been together for seven years, married for four. Um, but in saying that, I try and, and try not – I don't like her therapy voice, so I try not – Can you do it? <laughs> I, I know how you feel. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me too. No, that's not quite it. <laughs> that's perfect. But no, no, she's, she is, she is really helpful. No, she definitely does it in a subtle way because um, – but. She's a huge, huge help to me and, and helps helps um, guide me and, and I run all my decisions past her and, and she's a huge asset and, yeah, a lot of credit to her, to be honest. Yeah, it's awesome. incredible. Did you so, – so you do sort of look after your, your mental health, like that is actually something that you, you work on now? For sure. Like we don't, we don't talk about it and we don't kind of um, stage it as in like my wife's been a – we don't 
playing in a session or anything yeah. like that. But seven thirty tonight, we'll be on the couch talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, but it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing that it's just the, the way you should just live day to day is it should just be something you're dealing with every day and and not and not something that you do you know once a week or once a once a fortnight. I think that's an important message. Yeah, maintaining because yeah, again, it's like everyone's got physical health, everyone's got mental health, and it's sort of we've got to make sure that we're continually looking after our ourselves. Otherwise, you know, you can quickly burn out and. Yeah, always, always checking yourself. Yeah. I really do think as well, like uh, among many industries, there's lots of stress in, in many industries, but particularly building for some reason, builders are stuck between so many different people. Not stuck. You you put yourself in that position, but you've got clients, you've yeah, got a lot of designers, architects, yeah, the engineers, middle workers. You are that pivot point. Yeah, and all your money's on the line because you have to pay your money up front and that pressure along with the things you mentioned is just a recipe for disaster, to be honest. Yeah, and then and then outside of that, you got weather, which can come along and you know ruin stuff everything well. up as well. Um, so, have you sort of had any times where you've just been like, "What am I doing? Like, why am I doing this?" Plenty of times, but I've had plenty of times where you also look back and you go, "This is the best feeling in the world," and and that to me outweighs those negative days. So that's how I get through it. And um, when I do have those those bad days, um, I have a few few ways of dealing with it, and, and I like to write down. Uh, what went wrong, how it went wrong, and how, how could I possibly avoid that next time. And I'm all about procedures and, and, and change and growth, so I'll implement that somewhere in the business to try and allow for that not to um, happen again and try and avoid um, or have less of those days because it's always going to happen, but it's mm. just have less of it. And, mm. yeah, and that, that makes me feel better about it. And, and it. and it does improve. And you look back over a year and you look at all the things that you've you, – all the um, procedures that you've put in place to avoid these things and – you might not notice it week to week, but if you look back over a year and then years and years, and I write this all down, I still have access to all of it, and and you see the growth, and you're like, wow, and that's that's what helps me continue to do it because I just know how it works. Awesome. So some, so you're talking about procedures. What what does it look like for you guys on a daily basis when you've got you know, twenty twenty odd chippies? Is it roughly? Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, yep. how do you? What sort of procedures do you put in place so that there is, tra- you know, it's all transparent across the board and everyone knows what's going on and. Well, a huge part of building, I think, is is communication. And if everyone's on the same page, there's so many different people coming in and out of your job and making sure everyone knows what's happening, anything that's changed, um, uh, what order to do things in so the next person can come in. It's it's all about communication. And, and we have a few procedures in, in place that is game-changer with regards to that, which eliminates the actual conversation itself. Uh, we have joint diaries that we all have access. Our apprentices know what's happening on every job, um, every part of the day, if they just need to check on their phone. Um, we have all our all our documentation and plans all on Dropbox. Everyone has access to that on their phone, um, and we have you know things like WhatsApp groups and, and stuff like that where we can have an open line of communication where it's not just a phone call or a text one on one. It's like in a group setting. So you know some of our apprentices help remind our foreman what's what that change was or that's or awesome. what that client said. So it's it's just u- utilizing everyone that's there to be involved without slowing down the process. If you can find tools that can do that, um, that's what you need to, to build homes and to build good homes. I guess that allows, if you've got from f- your foreman, leading hands, chippies, apprentices, yeah. who all have access to the same information, uh, I guess it allows even those apprentices to show a bit of initiative and, that's it. I'd say to the and, and be up to speed with it all. So you don't have to look at this, but if you, if the more you look at this, the better chippy you're going to be and, and the quicker you'll be a foreman and 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 then you, your doors are open. You can you can then be the best foreman in the world. You can be a builder. You can do this. You can you, you got all you have your, the balls in your court. But if you're just gonna 
be lazy and not look at this and not not show any initiative, that's fine. But you're just going to coast along like everyone else, yeah. and you'd, you'd just be a chippy. Yeah, and and I think everyone at Grey has that personality where they're striving to be the best. So I think that, that personality personality trait goes throughout the business. So you know, some of our apprentices, I'm I'm, I'm not joking, but they're some fourth years now could run a job. They're not um, because of obviously respect for clients and things like that. Because mm. it's just not. It's not right, but some of them could, and yeah. and you know, as early as one or two years out of their time, um, can run a multi-million dollar house if they'd trained for for four years prior. That's a credit to you, I guess. If you're nurturing yeah. those those you know young blokes, or have you got any female apprentices? Any yeah. female traders? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's they're coming in from left, right, and centre, yeah, so yeah. it's probably not going to be too long. But I guess if you're fostering those those skills from an early age, and they're going to you know develop into leaders for you yep. it's just going to be you know an awesome way to expand your business from a very well, you've got a real growth mindset you know it's like it's which is which is really important and i suppose one thing that i noticed when i went through my apprenticeship there was never any sort of team type uh goal setting or when he did a job there wasn't ever a time when we looked back and said oh what was what could have been done better or uh, this was done really well or there was never any of that is that something that you guys do yeah, for sure like that's that's massive so i I have uh, a note to my phone where and and um, and our foreman group that we ch- chat about things that we need to prove on things to talk about at the next meeting and we have a monthly breakfast. Um, sometimes those breakfasts um, in winter and stuff when it's too dark we turn that to Friday beers. But whatever the monthly setting is, um, we catch up as a as a group. We tell them what's happening. We tell them what jobs are coming up. We tell them um, what problems the other jobs have had, um, and we discuss crucial issues or changes in the business. Um, the the company whatsapp group will also um tell people briefly some issues we're having if if it's quick and it's easy to deliver but if it's something we really need to implement a change um for sure we we have to deliver that across the board because what problem you're going to have on one job is going to be the exact same problem you're going to have on the next job and if if the people that didn't have the problem can learn from seeing someone else have the problem yeah and it just avoids it and it's, it's just better all around mate for sure yeah that's awesome I am pretty interested to talk about some of your jobs in particular. Yep. I've just seen some awesome videos. I mean, the stuff you guys produce, the videos you produce, top shelf. That, um, Laurent? Yep. Shout out X Media. X Media? Yeah. Yeah. Now, that very technologically advanced house, that one, yeah? Yep. And Run us sh- through some sh- of the features. Showing off by <laughs> Michaela Wayne, I believe, if I remember the video right. Who? Yeah, exactly. Who? Yeah, is that run, right? Run us through some of the stuff that this house had in it. It's pretty, pretty cool. It started off basically from uh, intercom. You'd, you'd ring the doorbell and it would ring to your phone. You could be anywhere in the world. You could answer it. You can talk to the person at your door. You can see them and not answer it if you want. You can unlatch the gate. You can unlatch the door. Um, you're obviously watching them the whole time. Um, you could go inside. You could uh, you have security cameras. You could watch who's walking around your house at, at any point. Um, obviously, alarm systems. Um, you could order an Uber from your from your phone or from your control pad in the house. You could obviously change your, your air con. You can turn your music on via voice. You can turn your lights on via voice. What happens uh, in a blackout? <laughs> mate, there's battery backup. Wow. Yeah. Nailed it. Awesome. I thought <laughs> that was going to be a bit of a curveball. You've answered that a few times, <laughs> have you? <laughs> yep. Um, and then, so I guess, following on from that, you've you've worked for some some you know really well-known people, a lot of sports people. We've just had... Uh, Aaron McNaughton example move into into the neighbourhood, which is pretty cool. Yep. Tell us tell us what what that's like working for some of these people or selling houses to to some of these well known stars. I think it first started off as as I said earlier, there's only a few spots a year to to build client work, um, and 
and trying to find the, the best clients for the job. And I think the first one being um, Darius and Kayla Boyd. When Darius first contacted me, obviously it stood out because I was like, hell yeah, I want to build your house. Um, the design hadn't happened yet. Um, I want to be involved. I love the design part of a, of a, of a house. And, you know, um, holding their hand or just giving them some type of advice along that process builds trust and respect. Yep. By the time you're giving them a quote or a price, they've already decided they want to work with you. Um, yes, your number has to be right or they won't work with you, but um, you know, starting there um, is basically how that happened and, and that snowballed into um, a few other clients that I had um, friends of friends or, or, or how it worked out um, to now, yeah, selling selling some homes to people that, that have some, um, yeah, whatever you call them. Um, and, yeah, I guess it comes down to a, a brand now and, and it's attracting that sort of person. Yeah, it's awesome. It's bloody awesome. It's, yeah, because yeah, Stephen Moore... You've done Quaid. Yeah, Quaid. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty impressive. And I mean, that's again, that's just following on that goodwill of the of the of the business and that brand name that people you know aspire to have now. I suppose I want to live in a greyer built house. Yeah, the idea behind it is 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 trying to that that would make the house worth more. So yeah, and and I believe it's done that. Yeah. Do you get? Um, you're never going to be settled, right? Like where you, where you are now, like you've achieved so much. Yeah. But it, is it enough or it's not enough? That's the problem. Never know. No, definitely not. <laughs> or do you want to keep challenging yourself, keep yeah. putting yourself out there? It's always, you know, because you've got so much momentum now. It's like the the, the, the world's your oyster. Sure, but you obviously don't want to be trapped in that striving after the wind kind of thing as well. So you've got to remind yourself, yep, keep keep pushing, but also know when enough's enough's enough and, and, and where to, you know, sit in that in that comfort, comfort zone or where, where you're master. There's no point in right now we've got a multi-res site coming up and a, and a, and a tower we need to we need to build and that's been something i've been looking forward to since i was like young so so you've never done anything like that before never never so we're going to be jumping into that um in the new year but we are in a niche market now where some people are saying well why why are you doing that right don't like, leave well, why why would you why would you give away some sort of the, the position you have there and 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 i'm not i'm not giving that away at all but you know i, I want to try new things it excites me that's awesome that's awesome so one of the things that you well, we often hear it's, you know, uh, tradies will come up and they're like, oh, I've got a, you know, got an idea, but oh, I'm just a dumb tradie or, you know, I can't do that because I'm just a dumb tradie. What do you got to say to anyone out there that, that has Mate. that mentality? Hey, I, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I didn't even go for OP. I think I just played rugby the last two years of school and I went to about one in three classes and hey, it's just, you don't need to be smart. You just have to have a have a good social brain and, and, and good forward thinking and, and that's all you really need to be successful in business, I think. So don't underestimate yourself just on book smarts. No one really, doesn't really matter, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important message and just, yeah, getting that work ethic. And I think that's a, a major thing that trades-based people have compared to university 100%. graduates is they already, they've got that work ethic and they can yeah. get out of bed at five o'clock and they can drive an hour to work and they can hook in for, you know, eight to ten hours and it's just a day's day's work, you know? Yeah. Like you can you can be a good tradie and earn more than the people that have gone to uni for five years and, and have got an OP ten or less, you know. Yeah. So we're we're in a good country to do so. So you know, have a crack and back yourself. How I just want to know about when a, an apprentice comes on and starts working for Greyer. Uh, I when I did my apprenticeship, I was lucky because I had Dan there to sort of learn off. Ooh, he doesn't often I say nice often say things that. about me. <laughs> That's on recording as well. Damn it. <laughs> was he getting good? <laughs> Mate, Woody from Toy Story over here, bloody hell! But he, my just, <laughs> he just annoyed me to the point that I had to had give to him the answer. Yeah, to teach like, me. Why don't yeah, you got to ask? Don't you? Yeah. But the, the, how how do you make sure that when that apprentice comes through with like starts off with Greyer yeah. that you that you're making sure that they are actually learning? Like a, yeah. a lot is it on is on that apprentice themselves to ask for yeah. you know to learn. But how do you ensure that when they come out? 
they are knowledgeable enough and like you were saying to run a multi-million dollar job it's evolved over the years to be honest so when we're a smaller company i would be firsthand there teaching them then it went to i would then um help get the the senior chippies to teach them and i was i was a lot more hands-on and now because we're a bigger company i give i more give them the tools of, of what they need to do to um learn these things and, and i i have um, apprentice catch-ups where i bring them all into the office we sit them all in the boardroom and i give them when they start i give them a book and it basically so i say right everything you learn in this book and they just had this book and none of them do it but <laughs> but, I, but every year i pester them to do it and some of them start doing bits and pieces but you're learning so much information it's so hard to retain it and i just say write it all down and, and I get in that room and then they all read out what they've written in the book and then the other one goes, oh, I didn't write that down, I didn't learn that and then they write that down and then I encourage them, I'm like, if you're that squeaky wheel or the, the annoying guy always asking what, what, what um, and, you're, and you're being tactful of how you do that without being too annoying, you're the one that's going to get taught. So um, when someone's coming to me and saying, oh, the, um, I'm, I'm, get, uh, I'm not gelling with this, this crew, um, can I move crews? I'm like, you can move crews but, you know, it's – it's also comes down to you. You need to deal yeah. with them as well. Um, it's a team unit. The the more you you work in, and the more you're bouncing off and helping your foreman. If you're if you're running and getting their their, their um, lunchbox, or when you're going to get something out of your trailer and you're getting a tool for them and stuff like that, and you're doing you're working hard to help them. They work hard to help you. So I try and help them understand that and encourage them. To, that's how they learn. And then in the back end, I'm also saying to the foreman, you know train them, do this, do that, do that. So being the company size we are, it's a, it's a bit harder for me to personally do it, but that's the, that's the way I try to do it. Yeah, mate, it's awesome. And I think it's a really important thing because like we know, it's really hard to retain staff. You know, a lot of people go through, do their apprenticeship, try and help their, the bloke that put them through for a year or two years yeah. and then they sort of march off. So how, how important is it for you to retain your staff and then build them into a you know project manager yeah. or something like that down the track? I make them agree from from day one if I put them on that they're going to stay for minimum two years after. Um, you know that's not not contractually bound or anything like that, but I do make them put it on paper um, as a as a in that book. Uh, no, separate. Yeah, separate book. <laughs> um, but yeah, like retaining those guys is like the the backbone of your company. They know how how it works. They know your procedures, and they're the ones that your eyes and ears when you have new staff. They're the ones who tell you who's not abiding by the rules and. Um, burning through staff or employees is only detrimental to yourself. Yeah. So, you know, having to retrain someone just because you've got a short temper and you want to just boot someone out because they've made a mistake, like it's so easy to do that, but it just affects you. So retaining those guys and, and yeah, keeping them long-term is the, is the key. Yeah, most definitely. And it's major investment as well, isn't it, you know, into your business? You're not yeah. You're not just putting – it's it's not cheap. It's not just a, a simple thing to chuck an apprentice on, you know what I mean? It, it, it takes a lot to put into them. And you, you know, invest so you a lot into them, yeah. obviously. Yeah, you do. And, and our, our crew is so young. When people like look at our team, and they're like, there's probably only maybe three guys – four guys over over like 35, I reckon. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's all young. So it's, it's a young man's game, and, and you can be young to, to build detailed houses. Yeah, yeah. How long were you – uh, maybe still be the case. Learning on the fly, you know how long? <laughs> like am. for how long are you bluffing? Like <laughs> sort of, yeah. You know, to I be mean, honest, I, I I swear it's like oh, it still happens. Yeah, yeah. It's you're always like, learning, aren't you? Always learning. If someone says, "Oh, I know everything in the game," you're like they're full of crap. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's the worst trait to have. Like you you learn stuff every day, and and the whole like fake it before you make it saying like there was definitely like 
a lot of a lot of early like bluffing or just winging it, not bluffing, winging it mm. for like years, like educated. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. that turnaround. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, and then you like call call mate, and you go, oh, is this possible? How do you do this? <laughs> But everyone does that too. too. Yeah, so That's an important life. lesson though there as well. Like you've obviously got a lot of people around you who you can bounce ideas off and ask questions, right? And that's one of the biggest things as well because no one has ever done anything on their own. Oh, for sure. Like the biggest advice I give anyone and, and this is everyone gives this advice, so it's nothing revo- revolutionary, but surrounding yourself with people who have, who have done the goals you're trying to achieve or um, or understand it because that's the best way of, of doing it is you, you can bounce off them. They've lived it. They know that they know the problems and they can they can tell you how to solve them and get yeah. past it quite easily. That's, a, that's yeah. a good point. Who like do you look up to? You know, have you got people in the industry that you look up yeah, to? Yeah, I got heaps of mentors like through the industry. They all sort of kind of do different things, but I like a bit of each one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I, I think an interesting thing out of that is like Anthony Coleman said the other day, like success leaves clues, and a lot of uh, you know. Builders get these big egos and are like, oh, like you said before, I know everything in the in the trade. Like, I don't need to, to learn anything. But I, what keeps standing out in this conversation is that how big of the growth mindset is with Greyer. And it's a credit to you because obviously you're always going to be moving forward with that sort of outlook yep. and wanting to, to not just, yeah, stay the same. Like, you're always wanting to get better, which is, mate, it's awesome. And it's so hard to find in the, especially the residential game in Brisbane, I've found. Who knows, mate? I'll probably have kids next year and Oof. take a backward step. <laughs> did you did you see this happening? Look, was this the vision? Did you yeah, see yeah. it being right here? Yeah, where this you, is always you know, the vision. Maybe not in the trademark podcast room, but yeah, like made it. <laughs> yeah. <the> <laughs> yeah, that's blue velvet. <laughs> no, nah, this is the vision to the T. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's Speaking weird. Saw it like saw it years ago. Just this is what I always visualize it. Yeah. So that's you know, listen to guys like Conor McGregor, right? He just Visualize being the champ, champ, you know, sure, and um, it manifests, yeah, isn't until that cool? Until he wasn't, yeah, yeah, wow. exactly, <laughs> retired no, you know, twice. No, you can never keep on top of that game, so good on him. No, you can't, yeah. can you? Um, what's in the future for Greyer, and what's the have you got an end goal? Like, have you got a have you got a you know, big hairy audacious North goal? Star? I, I like the idea of, of high rises, that's for sure. Um, you know, detailed. Um, multi-res projects is sort of where I want to go eventually, um, even though I, I, I love um, detailed homes. So hey, that, that might not happen. might stick to homes. I don't know. Like, as I said, next year I'm going to trial that and see how it goes. Um, but I think the, instead of having an end goal, it's more of a an end plan is we just want to build um, standout landmark buildings in Brisbane. So wow. As long as they're different, unique. I don't need to build 100 of them a year. I'm happy to build one or two, but I just want them to be like, unique stand out and put everything into them and then just always ad- uh, evolving and, and doing new things because that's what excites me what, what, what would you say to any <coughs> third year fourth year apprentices out there that are like i want to be the next rob gray what would you what would you say to them uh, um, what, what should they go and do i would say don't concentrate too much on, on being the best chippy in the world just concentrate on the process of building and don't just try and master that like try and understand marketing understand um, development, design. Um, you, you, you need to be good at it, multiple fields to to succeed quickly, I think. So, yeah, just try and study all of those uh, people that are doing that well and how they do it, opposed to just concentrating on being the, the best person to build a, f- a house frame or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was reading recently, I think I saw it on LinkedIn, your brother might have been uh, commenting on an article about uh, character homes in Brisbane, yep. particularly in that Paddington area. Yep. You guys do a really good job of keeping, you know, that that 
character facade yep. and, you know, transforming into something contemporary and very bloody cool. How are you all about that Brisbane that Brisbane character sort of <laughs> look or, you, you know, obviously looking at Darius's house, that, yeah, that big different. black behemoth, Yeah, you know? It was pretty funny when they, um, they, I think it was Channel 9 or something, called me and was like, hey, we want you to do the, um, be on, on the news to talk about like this, this new plan for uh you keeping retaining character in Paddington. Can you have some houses we can stand out the front of and you can do an interview? <laughs> and I was like, Are you sure I'm the right guy you want to have this interview? Yeah. And like we do some we do retain some stuff, but yeah, yeah. In, in other breasts we've done the most architectural, yeah. Yeah. crazy homes in character subject suburbs that people hate. Um, and leave cra- like one star Google reviews saying ugliest house in the suburbs. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> as much as I, I do I do enjoy a character home, um, I enjoy doing things that are different. So they are a bitch to get right. Like they are. Like those old Queens in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think just if I just did that every house, it'd just be boring. So yeah. I just like to just I like spend your life I like straightening. Every, I like to do different things. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Don't get me wrong. A, a good Renault is awesome, and yeah. we've, we've done plenty of them. We've got plenty coming up, and and I do love them, especially in in character areas. Yeah. Well. It's awesome. That was a great chat, mate. It's yeah, it's been really good. I really um, appreciate that. that was yeah, awesome. business with you boys, mate. Yeah, we just you know. I've got to get grey decked out in some shirts. We've gone yeah, from. Mate. <laughs> We've gone from building houses to folding shirts. It's awesome. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it's amazing what happens when you put yourself out there and have a crack and, and have yep. a crack at something that you believe in. Yeah. And I think that's probably also an important message as well. Like we believe in this, you know, to you know, to no end. And I, and I guess you believe in you know what you're doing as well, right? And I having can tell with you boys, like just coming in here, I've never met you guys face to face before. I've seen you online and all that, but it's when you meet people in person, it's sometimes a little bit different. But yeah, the the, uh, you guys are oozing uh, your love for what you do and, and, and mate, you guys bouncing off each other. It's, it's actually pretty funny. We're, we're, <laughs> we're oozing. <laughs> oozing. Mate, it's unreal. Well, mate, and back at you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's great awesome. to finally meet you too. It's Thanks. awesome to see there's heaps happening in Brisbane at the moment. I think it's, well, I mean, I don't know. I yeah, can, it's a place to be. I, I don't know about any other, other states, but, yeah, construction, there's heaps happening. In our space, we've been through social enterprise incubators and, you know, startup programs and there's, there's people out there having a crack at doing some really awesome stuff, and I think you know it's yeah. You know, there's never been a better time to to try your hand, out there. put yourself out there, and have, have a, a crack at a business, and you know, have a crack. It's just awesome time. The time is now. It's ripe. Exactly. Well, make sure everyone uh, yeah jumps on Instagram, checks out Greya, just G R A Y A, or just take a drive through Paddington, Paddington and just <laughs> put your windows down and observe. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time today, Rob. Really appreciate it. Thank you, boys. Good on you, mate. You've been listening to Trademutt's 120 Grit podcast. To watch it online, head to www.trademutt.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Trademutt. Thanks for listening.